Welcome to Identity Trust Pulse, where you can hear the latest trends and insights from the fraud and identity industry and find out more about minimizing fraud risks to your organization. I'm Nina, and in this episode, I'm joined by Kate Dunkley, Head of Solutions Consulting at LexisNexis Risk Solutions. For several years, Kate has been improving strategy and customer experience for multi-institution international clients whilst working with, within the payment processing sector. She is an expert in cards, payments, application and digital fraud strategy management. Today, we're going to focus particularly on the e-commerce payments landscape and the types of fraud likely to affect this sector. Hi, Kate. Hi, Nina. Uh, good to have you here. So to kick it off, I wanted to um, talk a little bit about the change that we have seen over the past couple of years. So obviously across the globe, the pandemic has um, you know, changed the world and pushed us into digitization and e-commerce has expanded towards new firms, customers and, and types of products. Now, can you tell us a little bit more about how the current e-commerce landscape looks uh, looks like now uh, compared to two years ago? Mm, that's a very good question. Uh, it's not going to be a surprise when we talk about the fact that COVID-19 has changed how we are interacting online. Um, and all of the consumer behaviors actually have been um shifted after uh, after the pandemic. Uh, we are looking at use of uh, mobile channel uh, being the preferred method of, uh, of payment and obviously change of payment methods overall. Um, the fact that we are nowadays more sitting at home, uh, we are working remotely, uh, we have hybrid lifestyles. Um, the fact that we do that, uh, it shows um, in the data that we are using more mobile devices. Um, overall, consumers have actually increased the use of their mobile apps uh, as a preferred method of uh, interacting with various services. Um, they are actually more user-friendly, um, and the fact that they are user-friendly shows in their loyalty to brands. Um, consumers have also started looking at uh, contactless payment methods, for example. So tap and go um, is... Uh, again, increasing, uh, and we can see that in uh, various case studies out there. Um, we also can see that the virtual currencies um, are being used in um, mobile transactions, um, and the actual distribution of mobile transactions and fraud costs have shifted from mobile browsers that we had before to actual mobile apps and those contactless payment methods. Um, when we look at the way we are interacting, all of us, online, uh, and we can see um, from our true cost of fraud study um, uh, that is obviously uh, delivered by us, like it's Nexus Risk Solutions, uh, we can see that the shift in e-commerce driven by pandemic has moved fraud into that space as well, and the fraud has risen since 2019. When it comes to kind of making these online purchasing decisions, um, so customer customer experience obviously plays a significant role. Um, what are customers' expectations at the online payment stage and how can e-commerce uh, business provide better customer um, experience than, you know, previously um, we've seen? Mm, good question. 
consumers nowadays are experiencing uh, a, a kind of an instant gratification where you are paying quicker, faster, there is a smarter way to pay. Um, and actually giving the retailers the opportunity to uh, create this happy, successful path and uh, super fantastic uh, customer experience. And to the earlier point that I have mentioned, customer experience creates loyalty with the brand and obviously minimization of friction uh, improves everything else that follows. So you staying with the brand and spending money uh, and uh, kind of putting that particular payment method or a, a merchant that you are spending money at, uh, at the forefront of your mind and your wallet ultimately. Um, the safety as well is also important. Um, so not only the fact that we are doing something quickly, but also uh, safely is a key in the customer uh, experience overall. So the consumers who want to have a smooth and very quick uh, checkout process, they want and they will be expecting that process to be secure. Um, so thinking about it, uh, you need to start looking at how to boost conversion, how to reduce cart abandonment, for example. Um, what is the average ticket value uh, from the consumer? Um, so you want to see higher transaction amounts and higher shopping baskets, really, uh, and actually sticking um, with that consumer for as long as possible and have a brand recognition. These are the things that consumers are expecting, and we are seeing that um, exactly in those shopping trends. Um, when you think about overall experiences nowadays, let's take one of the very big, big retailers, the introduction of one-click payments. I love it, personally. I don't like to be asked for passwords or being stepped up every time I make a transaction. Um, me and too, Kate, me too. <laughs> Just <laughs> don't don't make me put in any, you know, I, I don't want the two-factor authentication. I, I want it, but I don't want it. <laughs> exactly. So kind of finding a way of still proving to the consumer it's okay even if you click once or if you tap once it's still okay and we still know it's you having that element of trust in the consumer but also the consumer's trust in the brand and in the payment method that uh, i think is key so yeah um it's going to be interesting to watch how this develops but i don't think we are going to back go back from this so yeah i think this is where we are right now yeah, very good. So so kind of with that rise in online commerce, more of us transacting, you know, online and dealing with e-commerce businesses, how has the fraud actually involved in this sector? Are we seeing anything different from that perspective? Number one, obviously, we are looking at um, more payments, more payments, more payments. What comes with it is potential for breaches, breaches, breaches. Whether you like it or not, the breaches of, of digital data, email addresses, phone numbers, card numbers as well. Um, we are still processing cards, not tokens. You know, and it's kind of kind of the theme there. Um, it will be there and it will, it will continue um, uh, to rise. But also actually uh, looking at th those data elements that are being stolen, 
email addresses, telephone numbers, they will be and they are linked to potentially uh, synthetic identities or maybe even account takeover um, fraud that happens out there. And actually, the payment um, industry should be looking at the fact that we are needing to protect consumers to stop identity fraud. Um, that will be a key issue for uh, for merchants and will be a greater and larger share of fraud losses and that we have had in previous years. And it will continue. Um, account takeovers will continue and they will be on the rise. They will be potentially automated as well. And we know that bots are on the rise. Um, so yeah, these are the things that we need to look at. Identity fraud coming from breaches, 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 and what follows that, account takeovers. Yeah, super interesting. And uh, funnily enough, Kate, my identity has been stolen not that long ago. So I've had to deal with all of that. I guess, you know, um, these institutions have perhaps not used LexisNexis risk solution solutions. So, um, yeah, having to deal with that wasn't wasn't fun. So I, I fully feel for uh, the consumers in the market. But um, so we're talking a little bit about synthetic identities, account takeovers, bots. So what are some of the red flags that could indicate um, those fraudulent activities um, on the e-commerce website? You, you can split it into different layers, right? Um, but obviously, we'll start with the basics. We look at the data. The data is the source of truth. Uh, and we would look at inconsistency in, in the data of um, within a payment or within a checkout, potentially looking at what is the postcode um, of, uh, of the purchase and maybe the city doesn't match or maybe the IP address of the person buying items um, might be inconsistent with the location they are buying from. Um, me sitting right now, um, you know, in in the house in London. Well, maybe I'm buying something really nice for for a friend in South Africa. But those elements are actually uh, important when you are reviewing a, a transaction. Then also looking at um, variety of shipping addresses in one area. So you would have a, a consumer, you would have a buyer who would make multiple purchases under one bidding address, but then shipping uh, products to multiple addresses. Why do they do that? Questioning that. Looking at unusual location uh, and knowing what your consumer patterns are, what good looks like, what the baseline is, and knowing anomalies and sticking to, um, to the trusted behaviors and uh, pointing out the bad ones, such as I'm always purchasing from this particular IP address or from, from this location, but then all of a sudden I am making a purchase from unusual location, um, unusual uh, IP address uh, popping up there. Uh, looking at large than average order value, right? On, on a weekly, daily or monthly basis, I buy something from a very specific brand because we talked about loyalty, I am loyal to my brand. But then all of a sudden, my order is larger than the um, standard consumer spend. Um, maybe even what are the items that I'm buying? Uh, one of my favorite um, fraud trends that I remember from uh, when I used to work uh, on the other side was uh, fraudsters used to buy boobers. But not one, two of them in an order. They were low enough under the threshold, um, yet 
they were going through and the question would be why do you need so many hovers i mean i know they are you know good hovers but <laughs> um the value of the item that is being sold is important the quantity of the item that is being sold is important but also kind of practicalities of that item being then potentially sold on another market on let's say a marketplace for a higher value maybe around christmas time there is uh, a huge need for X, Y, or Z item, uh, and everybody wants to buy one. So obviously you can start inflating prices. And if you're a fraudster and you have bought those stolen, well, those hoovers, let's say, with stolen um, stolen data, ultimately you are making profit, even double that uh, if necessary. So these are the kind of things that we'll be looking at. Um, uh, also, my favorite ones, tested transactions. Uh, so you would have a payment that is being declined several times in a row uh, and the fact that potentially uh, the transaction being attempted not once not twice but actually doing it three four five times maybe somebody's testing whether the card data is is accurate or maybe they are just validating an email address or a telephone number um, there are various validation checks being performed in the checkout um, sometimes it is to verify whether we can communicate with the consumer who is buying something whether the delivery address is going to be okay and the email address they can track the shipping and things like that but if somebody is making the same purchase several times and there are certain declines i would start questioning that um, and Actually, there are many other other ways of looking at things. For example, short time frame for uh, for many transactions uh, to a particular merchant. Again, maybe it could be someone making purchases on the same uh, payment instrument nonstop, back to back, uh, one after another. Why do they do that? Is it because they are trying to avoid being caught uh, if they leave too big of a gap and there will be a issuer's intervention? or what is it that is happening and starting to understand what is the good what is the baseline of your normal consumer spend and consumer pattern versus all of those weird anomalies that i have mentioned and there is many many more uh but yeah i don't think we have the time to go through i'm sure that, yeah i'm sure there are plenty so interesting things that you've mentioned there you know very good data and data quality extremely important uh, but what also strikes me as very important is understanding that data. And I don't really want to dwell on that topic much, but we do see, you know, in, in financial crime and economic crime, kind of the importance of human interve intervention to an extent. So would you say, Kate, that it's really, you know, it's kind of technology and people working together that, that can really help our customers prevent fraudulent behaviours? Oh, for sure. I mean, the data is as good as you make it to be, right? The data doesn't come from the air. It, it is being generated by us to, to a large extent. Sticking to certain formats helps, but also having a knowledgeable individual who can help you with your strategy uh, is important. You know, we, we do that really well with many of our customers. We help them out with um, with our professional service team. They actually help them out understanding what the data is, um, how the data should be presented to various decision engines so we can derive 
sensible information out of it, usable information. Definitely, definitely. People and technology always together. Always together. Yes, indeed. For those that fear uh, technology, you know, it's not either or. It's definitely, definitely together. But I have a new obsession, Kate. Uh, It is entering raffles to buy trainers and I can't seem to win because the bots seem to be winning um, over (laughs) over me. Um, But a, a bit different to what we're talking about, but still equally as annoying. But can you tell us a little bit more about how the automated bot attacks are conducted and how e-commerce businesses can mitigate these attack attempts. Um, I thought we are going to talk about my funky shoes that you liked, and but now you're buying trainers. That's okay. Well, That's all right. <laughs> maybe I'll buy those just in time for Christmas. So. Yeah, maybe. No, um, you know, serious this. Uh, what is a bot? Good question. It's uh, it's a small piece of software that uh, automates requests with various goals. Bots can be uh, used to perform tasks without human intervention, right? So they can do anything from scanning website um, to see what the content of the website is, uh, to maybe even testing stolen card numbers, to even providing a customer support. So sometimes you do have those, hello, I'm Joe, I'm your virtual assistant. And, you know, it's a standard bot. So a bot can be used in both helpful and and bad ways. Um, And when we talk about a bot attack, it will always be uh, an attacker with a fraudulent goal, with a uh, damaging mind, if you wish. Uh, And a bot attack is the use of that automated request to manipulate, to defraud, to disrupt a website or an application or an API or even end users. So you not being able to enter that raffle um, and not winning anything. I mean, <laughs> somebody is trying to sneakily get, the, get those trainings from you. And obviously they will start a st- simple spamming operation, for example. Um, they can get a little bit more complex. They, call, they can go into even uh, disruption attacks where they can become a serious security security matter. So we we can see that it could be done as part of espionage, for example, or it could be a, a multinational criminal enterprise out there uh, trying to to damage a specific uh, a specific entity, right? And uh, what we are looking at is an increase in those. People are getting more clever, and I'm saying people, fraudsters, are getting more clever because bots allow you to do a lot of things that would require a lot of time and energy. So I would never underestimate a fraudster because they are actually putting us in this alertness state where we have to come up with a better solution to to counter that. And I don't know what to tell you, Nina, how to get your trainers. Maybe you should just go down to the shop and actually uh, do it yourself and actually pick up a physical pair. Mm. Although I know, yeah, online world nowadays is 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 giving us that 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 possibility. But yeah, I I think we'll see more of those um more of those attacks. They might be getting a little bit more sophisticated. So we just need to wait and see what happens. Yeah, um, I wish it was as easy just walking down the, down the street and and getting a pair of shoes. But um, as you you know, as we've been talking about today, 
a lot of these businesses have uh, moved digital, you know, to purely kind of digitally operating. And um, yeah, it is what it is. Unfortunately, I'm not winning the raffles, but if I do, I'll let you know. Um, well, we are going to wrap up for today. So thank you very much for being with us here and for giving us all the insights into how the e-commerce payments landscape is changing and all the types of fraud that e-commerce businesses should be most aware of. Everybody out there, be be very mindful um, of what is um, potentially going to come to to your websites, and feel free to get in touch with with us as well if you want more information. Uh, but for further information on leveraging LexisNexis Risk Solution Intelligence to counter fraud, uh, visit the link below in the description and make sure that you tune in again soon uh, to our Identity Trust Pulse podcast. Thank you, Kate. The information provided in this podcast is for informational purposes only and is not intended to and shall not be used as legal advice. The views and opinions expressed in this program are solely those of the speakers and don't necessarily reflect the views or position of LexisNexis Risk Solutions. LexisNexis Risk Solutions does not warrant that the information provided in this podcast is accurate or error-free. 